Uh, good morning, everyone. Great to see you this morning, and I pray that you are blessed through um, <clears throat> the time of worship, and uh, I pray that the Word of God this morning is a, a blessing to you as well. For the next little while, I want to share with you uh, something, some thoughts and reflections from God's Word, the Bible, and uh, I pray that your hearts are open and ready to receive. That is what's absolutely critical in this whole thing, is that, yes, yes, what I'm sharing with you is really, really important, but especially that your hearts are open to hear what God has to say. That's what's really important here um, because the Word of God is sufficient. It's powerful. It can do many things in people's hearts and often the, the obstacle, the barrier is the, the heart that, wants, that resists to listen. And I pray this morning that your hearts are really open to hear the Word of God. Well, things are changing, aren't they? I think probably soon we'll be cranking up those heaters. My goodness, I'm thinking it's getting a bit cool in the morning. Um, and so we're ch- the weather's changing, things are changing, um, and, but it's good that we can still come. We would never, never um, stop thanking the Lord that we're able to gather together on site again. Um, despite cooler weather uh, and changes and things, it's, it's great to be. Uh, it's great to be back together. And it's just wonderful to see more and more people getting involved in different things. You know, people that are worshipping this morning, the different faces. It's just lovely to see people wanting to, to serve the Lord. So let's pray. Let's ask God's blessing on today and uh, especially his word. Lord God Almighty, you are good to us and you are good that we have been able to gather this morning, uh, to gather in this place, something that we've longed to do for such a long time. And Father, we, we are thankful that we can see each other. We are thankful that we can worship together. And we are thankful that we can listen to your word. And Father, we want to listen to your voice now. We want to hear what you have to tell us, your, your spoken word, your word that you spoke to us through the Bible. And we pray that our hearts are really open this morning, um, that we don't close them, that we don't think to ourselves we've heard it before, that we don't become full in ourselves, but we are ready to receive what the Lord Jesus Christ wants to give us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Welcome all. Welcome to those especially that are here for the first time. And I do pray that, uh, you're, um, that you would uh, open your hearts to God's word. And if you have any questions afterwards, please do not hesitate to come and ask me any questions you might have from what you have heard this morning. Jesus Christ is enough. And you can search high and low and you can run to the furthest parts of the earth looking for that very thing that you think in your heart you need the most. And I'm telling you, you'll remain unfulfilled. Until you run to a place called the foot of the cross or the feet of Jesus and say, what I need is you, Lord. There's a deep longing in my soul. And until you fill it, until you come and be that place, I will remain in some ways and somewhat unfulfilled. And that's a great truth that the scripture teaches us because in Christ we declare openly that he is enough. And unfortunately some people learn the hard way about this. They do try running to all sorts of things and they find themselves in all kinds of problems and in many dangers. They're getting themselves in a lot of trouble, a lot of hot water. 
They face, they face situations and circumstances that end up having long-term consequences because of their decisions. All because they thought and believed that in something else, they would be better off. And Jesus calls them to themselves and himself and says, you know, you've ran as, as much as you want to run, now run to me. Because in Christ, you have enough. And that's the beautiful truth of the scriptures. Yet, what happens sometimes in the minds of people, even in Christian minds, we look at things and we think, oh, but maybe there's more. Maybe something that someone else has is really what is going to fulfill me. Maybe that thing I can't have, but I really want, maybe that's going to give me a sense of fulfillment. Maybe that sin that I know that I can't touch, I go and dabble and play with it because I think maybe, maybe if I just have it, I'll be happier. And all along, the Lord Jesus Christ is saying the same words. You can run, you can go, you can look. But until you come to a place at the foot of the cross or at the feet of Jesus with an absolute believing and surrendered heart, you will remain in a state of dissatisfaction. And I love this truth that Jesus gives us because he wants to remind us that you don't need to be anyone special. You don't need to go anywhere in particular. You don't need to look for places and things that are beyond your reach and beyond your means. But you come to a place very simply where Jesus says, come to me and find what you're really looking for in me. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 14, it says, the sound heart is life to the body, but listen carefully, but envy is rottenness to the bones. Did you know that? Did you know that? That a sound heart or a healthy heart is life to your body. That when your heart is in the right place and your heart is in the place where it's able to trust with absolute confidence in the goodness and the mercy and the provision of God, your creator. When your heart is in a sound place, not an unhealthy or troubled place. When your heart is in the sound, it's actually life to your body. But when you have envy, I haven't got this yet. I need this. I want that. Why have they got it? I want what they have. When there's envy in our hearts, envy of other people's possessions, envy of other people's partners, envy of other people's things, workplace, whatever it is. When we have a place of envy in our hearts, we want what they have because we don't have it. And we kind of drives us into sometimes think and act and speak in bizarre manners. He says, when we have envy, it is rottenness to our bones. Because what it does, it begins to rot away our very, the essence of our well-being. We come to a place where we feel perhaps exhausted or fragile because there's this sense in which it is rotting away who we are. But a sound heart is surely life to the body. A beautiful truth, isn't it? And yet you don't have to run far. You don't need to go to, to, you know, beyond where you, your capability. We come to Christ. In the Old Testament, God saw a problem. He saw that there were a people, his own people, 
who tried to do this. They tried to run to a place. They tried to go to different places where they thought if they left God for a while, they could find better satisfaction, greater satisfaction in other things. God, this is not new to God. God doesn't think, oh, what's happened? The church has lost the plot. It's not new to God. God sees the heart and the intent of the heart and he sees, you know, he sees the person who looks at the Christian faith and sees that they think that somehow they'll get it outside God. And they even sees people in the church, people who pack churches on a Sunday and other times, he sees in their heart and while they listen and nod, their hearts are saying, I want something else. He sees that. It's not, God's not blind to this. It's happened for generations. And that's why you hear a message again and again that really you can, you can do these things, but at the end of the day, you're going to find yourself hopefully doing a, a circle back to the Lord if nothing drastic happens in that journey. And so God saw this, and in the Old Testament, he saw his people and it grieved his heart. In the Old Testament, he saw his people try and do this, and he says this about them. He says, my people have committed two evils, two really bad things. He goes, the first thing they've done is they've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. They've left. There was a fountain here they could drink from all the time and be satisfied, but they've decided to go somewhere else. And then he goes, and there's another thing that they did. They actually built for themselves jars or cisterns, he says, and broken cisterns that can't even hold water. So they've left this fountain of living water and then they thought, you know what, I've got a better idea. I'll go and dabble in this area of life that actually is nicer and more fulfilling for myself. But he goes, but the cisterns they built to try and fill up with water that they thought would satisfy them were actually cracked. And the more they drank, it sort of just faded away. It was emptying. While this here just kept flowing with water for themselves. So they, they, they go, so they've, they've broken my heart. They've broken my heart because they've not only left me, but then they've gone and built things that will never satisfy them because it's just leaking all the time. I, I, I understand why that would break the Lord's heart. So then Jesus comes, and the Bible tells us the great feast, what he did. He says this, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What a remarkable promise. So he cries out on the great day of the feast, he cries out and says to them, if you're really thirsty, come and drink of what I have to give you. He says, because you're going to have out of your heart rivers that flow, an abundance, an abundance, rather than these jars that are cracked. The more you try and put in, the more they just leak, and they'll never fulfill you. I know what I would choose. And God describes this world perfectly. He says, this is... This is what this earth and world and life is like. And I'll try and sell you things and promise you things that they'll say, this is what you need, and yet you will remain in a state of 
unsatisfaction. So my question to you this morning, brothers and sisters, friends, my question is very simple. Is Jesus still enough? Is Jesus still sufficient for you? Is he? Has this world become so advanced and has it progressed so much that once upon a time he was enough, but today we know more, we understand better, and he's no longer kind of what we need? Is that what you think? Is Jesus still enough? It's very simple. And this morning I'll tell you, tell me how you live. Tell me what you pursue. Tell me what you seek. Tell me what you love. Tell me what your treasures are. Tell me your passions. Tell me your goals. And I'll tell you whether you believe Jesus is still enough. Because he's here. And today he asks you the same question. Am I still enough? Let me, t- let me share with you a few different experiences before I... I read from, from the gospel. Some, experience number one. Some people will never come to Jesus because they just feel they have enough. They will never come to Jesus because in their hearts and in their minds they have been convinced, either they have convinced themselves or they've allowed the world to convince them that they actually have enough. And that's a very, very scary place to be. Because who has enough? Remember the time in the Old Testament when God told the world, or God told Noah, sorry, that the world, there was going to be rain and the world was going to flood. And he asks Noah to build an ark and, uh, and only few were saved and the rains came. I don't think all those people who drowned in the flood, I don't think they all... Um, thought they were unsatisfied. I'm sure there were a lot of people in that world that would have said to Noah, it's fine, Noah. I've got enough. I'm okay. I have enough. I don't need what you have to tell me because life's pretty good at the moment. And no matter how many or how long they convinced themselves or how much they convinced themselves they had enough, What was going to happen was never going to change. It was going to happen, and then one day they would have realized, no no matter how much they thought they had, they really never had it at all. So the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And as a result, they have fallen short of God's glory. And there needs to be something that will reconcile them to God. Because no one really has enough. But there are some people who will say very uh, confidently, boldly, even to the mockery of what Jesus did, that I don't need Jesus because I have enough. You might know someone like that. You may be that person this morning. Here's experience number two. That even when people come to Jesus, they just never seem to be fulfilled in Jesus. You know someone like that? So they come to Jesus, they say, you know, I want to I follow Jesus. And they come to Jesus, they join a church, uh, they make a profession of faith. And yet still, they just carry around in them this sense of it's not enough. It just never seems to fulfill them. 
And brothers and sisters, this is not an indictment on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is more a reflection of their, uh, their hearts that are still chasing for things, filling their cup with things other than just Jesus Christ. I want Jesus and this. I'll have Jesus and that. And see, the two don't mingle together, and all of a sudden, there's a, a, a consistent realm or consistent experience of dissatisfaction in Christianity. You may know someone like that. You may be that person. Because what you don't want to let go of in life, because you think, in case Jesus doesn't kind of give me what I'm thinking, I'll hold on to this. And I don't want to let go of this because it's, it's too precious to me, though it's not good for you. And they carry in them this, this kind of never f- being fulfilled. And then there's experience number three. People who start very fulfilled in their faith, very fulfilled. They're just bursting with joy. It's like, boy, they are just transformed. They are amazing. Nothing seems to bother them. And they are seem absolutely fulfilled. In fact, they feel like their cup runs over. Their cup just runs over. And this state of fulfillment is, you can't deny them. You can't deny that this is their state of fulfillment or this is how they feel. But at some point down the track, At some point down the journey, they begin to be dissatisfied again. It no longer satisfies them. They begin to feel unfulfilled. So my question is simple. Has the sufficiency of Jesus changed? Has it weakened over time? Has it become less effective over time? Has it reached an expiry date? that after a certain amount of months and a certain amount of years, no longer can Jesus fulfill? Or have they, as the Bible tells us in Jeremiah, left the fountain of living waters because they wanted to go and build their own? Broken systems. Greater joy, greater wealth, greater fulfillment, greater, greater things in life that have left them now unfulfilled. Has the sufficiency of Jesus changed? Indeed, it hasn't. I want to read a text message out that I received from someone. Don't worry, I won't mention your name. In fact, I've taken some details out so it's less identifiable. (laughs) I want to read a text message that I received uh, to encourage you. The text message said this, his mercy is talking about Jesus. His mercy is anew every morning and every day he creates a new miracle to encourage me in my walk with him. What I once took for granted, I now see with different eyes. His amazing grace and beauty abound every day. I've never experienced such joy and peace before. And this is, mind you, this is someone who's been in the faith for many years or for a few years. I've never experienced such joy and peace before, even in the challenges and the trials and the afflictions. It is so wonderful to have our confidence, hope and trust in him. Sometimes I think it sounds like I'm exaggerating. However, there are no words to describe his transformation in my life. 
Before I became a Christian, my life was in such a mess, a wretch and a wreck and in chaos and in darkness. The Lord took it all. Praise God for his forgiveness and mercy and the prayers of my brothers and sisters. I am blessed beyond measure to be called by him and to live in his truth and to serve him. Exaggeration or not, I love this line, exaggeration or not, there are times I feel my heart will burst with love and joy for my Jesus. It's like I, got, I was melted when I read this text message. Has the sufficiency of Jesus changed? Indeed not. Have we built systems to try and find satisfaction outside of Christ when the deep longing in our soul still needs the same remedy? So turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Uh, sorry, Luke chapter 10. And let me read for us this passage. In Luke chapter 10, from verse 38. From verse 38. Story of two sisters, Mary and Martha, and Jesus. Mary, Martha, and Jesus. Now it happened as they, sorry, Luke chapter 10, verse, from verse 38. Now it happened as they went, he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Isn't that great? What a very kind, hospitable, caring person. She welcomed him like many people do today. They welcome Jesus into their home. They welcome him into their lives. They welcome him into their hearts. They welcome him as part of who they are. And it almost seems to fall short of something that he is really asking us from. Rather than to sort of welcome him into something, to rather surrender to him everything. But they welcome him. That's a nice thing to do. It's a good thing to do. I'm not opposed to Jesus. I'll welcome him. I'll allow him. He can speak into my life. He, he can, he can uh, say things about perhaps where I am and what I'm doing. I welcome that. Verse 39, And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now Mary's a little bit different. She Rather, perhaps the Bible doesn't say, well, I'm sure she welcomed him, but she went a step further and what she decided to do was listen now to him. Listen. Attentive. What are you saying, Lord? What do you want me to do? But she listens at the feet of Jesus, which is symbolic of this humble, reverent heart listening to Jesus. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed and Mary has chosen that good part, which is not going to be taken away from her. 
And Jesus is bringing a, a, a practical example and, and trying to illustrate this spiritual truth. And he's trying to explain something to, to Martha. That Martha, I understand what you're trying to do and I understand and I respect the fact that you're trying to serve and perhaps you're trying to cook me a meal and perhaps you're trying to get things tidy and I get the fact that you're trying to be busy for me but you not, but you remain in a place of unfulfillment. You're, you're distracted. And in fact, sometimes when people are distracted, and people are unfulfilled. You know when people feel like they, you feel like sometimes they're carrying a bit of a chip on their shoulder because they're not happy with life. You get, you know, that, you, you've had that experience or you might know people like that. But they're the sort of people who can be very direct. They, they can be. Tell her, <laughs> tell her to help me. And Jesus is trying to bring out this very simple truth. You, you, you're not in a place of, fulfillment you know you're distracted yeah you're trying to do good things you seem very helpful but there's a longing in your heart there's a longing in your heart that's going to remain unfulfilled until you come to a place like your sister has chosen at my feet and to listen attentively and obey my word or you can go and build your own systems in life And this is a beautiful story where Jesus says, this is so important, this is so important, it will not be taken away from her. When we made a decision to welcome Christ into our home, we made a decision, a decision to ensure that, a, a, a decision and a belief that all our deep soul longings would be fulfilled in him, not through other things. Oh, there are many pleasures in life. There are many joys, many experiences that we all have and we will continue to have. But the very essence of life and the longing in your heart will remain unfulfilled until, like Mary, you're at the foot of Jesus, humble, reverent, ready, attentive to listen and take and obey the words of Christ. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians. He says this, we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And what Paul is saying very simply is this. We've lived long enough and we're kind of aware enough to say that there isn't anything of ourselves that's sufficient. We don't go around doing what we do thinking, boy, man, you're, you're, you're so, you're, you've got great skills in this area. And you're fantastic in this area. Why don't you do this? And somehow that we've managed to somehow make ourselves sufficient. But like Jesus, like Jesus, Paul came to a place where he realized that without him, he can do nothing. Remember in John 15? The vine and the branches. I'm the vine, you're the branches. You need to abide in me because without me, you can do nothing. So Paul came to them. Paul realized that. And that's why he says, we're not sufficient of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God.
So again, I ask, is Christ sufficient? Because there was a man in the Bible who had some, there was a man in the Bible once that had false, a false sense of sufficiency. Remember the story of the man who had a lot of money? So much money, he didn't know what to do with it. And the Bible says this, I will say to my soul, soul, his own soul, soul, you, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. In fact, what he did in order to store his goods, he tore down his barns and built bigger ones because he had so much. And then he said to his soul, oh, take it easy now. You've got so much now. You've got retirement ahead of you. Uh, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night, tonight, your soul is going to be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself, but is not rich toward God. Because there was a false sense of sufficiency. There was a sense of, you know what? I've got so much, I don't need God. But God says, you fool. Because when you die tonight, where are all these things going? And there's been this race in life to accumulate more and more and more and more. Because this deep longing to be satisfied is trying to be found outside of Christ. Also in what we do. The Apostle Paul said this. Think about anything you do for Christ. And any time you think you might be sufficient or you feel like you're inadequate. I want you to remember these words from the Apostle Paul. These words have helped me often in my own preaching. He says, Brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellence of speech or with wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what I want to know. I was with you in weakness. Listen to how he describes himself. I was with you in weakness, I was with you in fear, and I was in, with you in much trembling. Doesn't sound like a very strong man, does he? When I came to you, I was kind of scared and I was trembling and I wasn't very strong. And my speech, he says, and my preaching were not of persuasive words of human wisdom. Because I know I can't do that. I can't persuade you. What, even this morning, I'm not going to persuade you to leave everything and place yourself at the foot of Jesus and say, Lord, I, I'm going to stop trying to find this satisfaction in anything else but in you. I can't persuade you to do that. He says, I, I didn't come with persuasive words, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's what he wanted. I don't want you to trust in what I'm saying. I want your faith to trust in the power of God. So brothers and sisters, I want you to reflect this morning before I close. If Jesus is still enough, he's still enough. Can I absolutely trust him with my life? Really trust him. I mean, like, despite everything else I'm thinking and everything else that I think will make me happy, uh, can I trust him with my life completely, totally? What about when I need to wait patiently? You know, patience is a wonderful 
um, time to test if our sufficiency is in Christ. Do you know that? When we're called to be patient. You haven't quite got what you hope to have. You haven't quite arrived to where you want to be. And yet you're able to say to Jesus, you're still enough for me. Do you understand? Oh, but if I have this, once I get there and once I have that, oh, I'm satisfied. I've, got a, I've nailed it. I've nailed it. But when we are called to be patient because we haven't quite got yet where we, what we want, well, can I still say in that journey along the way, until, until I get there, Christ is still enough. Do you understand? So even in, my, even in the call to be patient. What about if you're falsely accused by someone? Oh, but what they're saying about me isn't right. Christ is still enough. What about if I'm misunderstood? They haven't quite understood what I was trying to say and the, my actions and my motives and uh, what's going to happen because they've misunderstood me. Is Christ still enough? What about when your dreams are unfulfilled? I thought I would be blank by now. Is Christ still enough? I want to finish with this. And maybe next week I'll continue, I'm not sure, with this. Jesus, in the Gospel of John especially, referred to himself many times as I am. I am. Why why even care about that? Why would we care with Jesus saying, I am? Well, perhaps because in the Old Testament, God declares himself to Moses and says, I am who I am. And then Jesus perhaps comes and fulfills these great I am statements. And he uses it seven times, at least seven times in the Gospel of John. And he says, I am this, and I am that, and I am this. Because I believe what he's trying to do is to remind us that's all you need is him. Because I am this, and I am that. Uh, I need this. I am that. But what about that? I am that as well. And one of the things he says is that he is, he says, I am the bread of life. (laughs) Because what else is going to satisfy you? Doesn't the Bible tell us that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God? So you can try and eat the bread of life as much as you want but will remain unfulfilled until you come to a place of accepting and receiving and obeying and doing the word as it, as it speaks to you. So I'll finish with this passage. Then Jesus said to them, Moses, surely I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. This is John 6. For the bread of God is he, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. In other words, we want it. If this is what it, I'll give it always to me. I'll have it. Endless supply of bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. You know what it's like? It's like a king who says, come feast with me. I've got all the delicacies of life. Come feast with me. 
and you come and sit down with the king and you think, my goodness, where has this food been all my life? And then you realize all the food that you've been eating up till now has been rubbish from the garbage bin. But you thought it was delicious until the king presented to you the true bread from heaven. All of a sudden you realize, what was I eating before? It's like garbage. I was like taking it from the bin compared to what I have now to eat. Brothers and sisters, friends, if Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then what's changed? What's changed? I want us to pray this morning, and I want us to come, uh, as we pray this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to think for yourselves. If, if Jesus is still the bread of life today, and he is, And have you sought and are you seeking places to be fulfilled that are perhaps hurting you, destroying you, destroying others, uh, that are giving you a false sense of security, that are taking you to a place of delusion? And you realize this morning, perhaps the Spirit of God has reminded you this morning, perhaps maybe for the first time, that in Christ it is enough. And that deep longing is enough and perhaps the first thing you need to do this morning is say Lord forgive me forgive me what I've done and where I've gone and what I've tried to be has left me in a place of dissatisfaction and I ask you to forgive me and make a commitment to eat from today forth the bread of life the source that meets the longing and allows you to go and live fulfilled if you like doing all the things that you do even better even better. And as we bow our heads this morning, let's, uh, let's pray and ask the Lord to speak, continue to speak into our lives. And if this morning, in your heart of hearts, you have, the Spirit of God has, has spoken to you in this way, then I just pray that you, even silently, you would pray and ask the Lord to forgive you. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for making something else enough. Forgive me for taking my eyes off the cross and the blood you shed for my sins and the spirit you gave to fulfill my life. Forgive me for running to other things, doing other things, building other things to try and meet the longing in my own heart. But today I believe that you are enough. That you are enough and you'll always be enough. Feed me, Lord, your word. Teach me your word. Strengthen me in your word. I pray that you don't forget that the only true source of life is found in Jesus. And I pray that as we, as we observe, watch, participate this morning, this is us. This is who Christ has made us. He's taken us from an old life to a new life in him. Let's not run from him again. Let's find ourselves, like Mary, at his feet, humble and ready to receive. Father, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for um, your word. I pray that we, I, all of us, Lord, uh, can remain on this rock. 
that we remain humble at your feet, Lord, knowing and understanding that despite the circumstances around us, that you are always enough. You are sufficient. Your word is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. Your spirit is sufficient. And we come to you with humbleness and with belief and with conviction that you are enough. Father, I pray for those this morning that have confessed and acknowledged that they have tried to run to other things. I pray, establish them and encourage them. In Jesus' name. Amen.